Well, we continue with our four-part series. Yesterday, we talked about Samuel. Samuel, Saul will be today, and David tomorrow. This will be sort of a summary of the first and second books of Samuel. And we'll be, re- we'll be hearing from these two books over the next three and a half weeks. So these three days, and then Friday, I'll give a summary and draw out some, some lessons so for over these four days, we'll get a, a, an overview of, the, of those two books, which are really, they're really critical books in our, in our history. So Samuel, the story of Samuel, just a quick recap. He was born from Hannah, Hannah who had been barren and pleaded to the Lord to deliver, to give her a son so that she could give him back to the Lord. And, and so it happened. So Samuel was born and Samuel became the last and greatest prophet of the tribes as the tribes are being unified into a kingdom. So Samuel is the last prophet in preparation for Saul being the first king. And in Samuel, we heard that they must remain. It's really key. This is a key point from the story of Samuel that the Israelites must remain humble and obedient if they want to experience God's covenant blessing. There is a story of the Israelites trotting out the Ark of the Covenant as some sort of magical trophy and doing that and forgetting to be humble and obedient. And of course, this is a perennial lesson, right? If God has showed his favor on us, it's very easy to fall into pride and to not remain humble and obedient. So moving, moving on to Saul. Saul, the, the Old Testament is a... Is a book full of tragedies, and Saul might be the greatest of them all, the greatest tragedy of all of them. He raises the question, how could someone so close to God, so favored by God, spiral out of control and out of God's favor? So the second half of the first book of Samuel, in our reading today, we're still in the first half, we're still in the the section of Samuel, but I'm moving ahead. In the second half of the first Samuel, first Samuel, we see both Saul, Saul's rise and fall, and we begin to see the story of David, which I'll go into tomorrow. But as Saul is rising, David, or excuse me, as Saul is falling, David begins to rise. Saul was chosen by God to lead and unify all the tribes into a single kingdom, as I mentioned. And the Israelites, after Samuel had won some battles for them, the Israelites weren't satisfied in having Samuel as their leader. And so they went to Samuel and pleaded to Samuel that Samuel would plead to God to give them a king. And Samuel was kind of hurt by this. You know, what do you mean? I'm, I'm your leader. I just won some battles for us. I've liberated us from the Philistines. Why, why, why don't you want me to be your leader? But he goes to God in his humility and asks God and, and God kind of vindicates Samuel, says their, their motives, motives are all wrong. They're just jealous of other, other nations who have kings. And that's actually what they say explicitly. Other people have kings, so we want a king too. And God says that they, their motives are all wrong, but okay, fine. If they want a king, let's give them a king. And he even says, God says to Samuel, it is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. There's a... I think a deep spiritual lesson here, and I'll draw this out more at the end, but rejecting one's leaders, and I'm not talking about disagreeing, that's one thing to disagree, 
But to reject one's leaders is a manifestation of rejecting God as king. Then we see Saul be the one that, comes, that becomes anointed as king. And he's full of promise. He's tall, handsome, from a wealthy family. He's the perfect candidate. And here's a, a couple of verses from 1 Samuel. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord, and he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But you have this day rejected your God, who saves you from your calamities and your distresses. And, he, and you have said no, but set a king over us. Then they ran and fetched him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward, this being Saul. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. And if we're following this, we can see it. It's almost, it's almost you know, in a movie when it sets up in the, in the beginning the, the drama that's going to unfold. We already see this here. The people are shouting, long live the king. But we're already, we're, it's already, we already know how that this story is not going to go well. That's an understatement. Okay, so Saul has a little bit of success in the beginning, wins some battles, and, and his power grows, and, and, he, and therefore his pride grows. And we begin to see many of his character flaws. He's dishonest, he lacks integrity, he's prideful, and perhaps most importantly, he's incapable of, of acknowledging his own mistakes. Incapable of acknowledging his own mistakes. And this leads to a series of missteps. He offers an unauthorized sacrificial offering, and he, he thinks he's doing this because it's what's going to win the battle at hand, even though it's strictly forbidden. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Samuel is still alive. He's still a prophet. He's still a wise man who's trying to direct Saul in a good course. And Saul went out to meet him and salute him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down upon me and I have not entreated the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. Right, so he very clearly, very belligerently disobeyed God in offering this unauthorized burnt offering. And when questioned by Samuel, he doesn't say, I did it, I'm sorry. He has this long list of excuses and justifications for what he has done. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. See, this, this had been part of God's plan. Had he only trusted in God and surrendered to God, this would have established his kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Of course, this phrase, a man after his own heart, is referring to David, who will come next. But this here is the great contrast, right? A man after God's own heart in contrast with a man after building a kingdom. 
even a kingdom, quote-unquote, for the Lord. And then he goes on to make more mistakes, makes a foolish vow at the expense of his own son, son Jonathan, disobeys the Lord's direct command, lies to Samuel and to God to cover up. These are in the subsequent chapters. So now the aging Samuel confronts Saul, says that Israel needs a humble, faithful king. Samuel informs Saul, God is removing his blessing from him and is going to raise up a new king. And this begins Saul's decay into madness. And we see this more in in the story of David. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. I already read that. And then Samuel continues. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Jesus goes on and highlights this in much greater detail. But we already see this here in the Old Testament. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. You see that? Rebellion is like the sin of divination. It's like it's rejecting the one true God and succumbing to false gods, even if the false god of one's own ego. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And then this, the, this section of the story ends with Samuel traveling. So now he has, he has told Saul that his, the favor of God has been removed from, Samuel, from, from Saul. So now Samuel travels to Bethlehem to anoint a youth named David as the next king. And of course, this, this sounds very familiar to our ears. So just to recap, a couple of big takeaways here. What, what is our relationship to our leaders, our leaders, both civil and ecclesial? What, it's, it, again, not, it's, not, it's one thing to disagree. It's one thing to have different opinions. That's fine. But do we allow our disagreements to lead us to sin, to lead us to a hardened heart? If so, maybe it's not just that leader that we're rejecting. We're rejecting God as king. Another question is, why do we practice the religion? Is it to establish our own kingdoms, whatever, whatever that is? We have our ways of doing things, and we think that if we do things in a in certain way, we're going to get certain results down here. Or is it because we're after God's own heart? And maybe also a lesson from, another lesson from Saul is, what are our own character flaws? What are our own character flaws? Are we aware of them, of our dark side? If not, they're probably directing us in, in destructive ways or in unhelpful ways. So, of course, we'll, so we'll stop here for, for the story. We'll continue on with David tomorrow. But Saul, this great story of tragedy, and it's clear the way that the story is, is told that the, the writers want us to see ourselves in the story to relate to these characters, these flawed heroes and villains the, 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 the people in the Bible they're not so clear cut, right? they're both heroes and villains because so are we so we're, we're both heroes and villains so we want, to, we want to relate to them to see what lessons we can learn from them and above all to continue to seek God's own heart 